So I got to interview Hannah today, and I just think this woman is such a gentle spirit and a really beautiful, beautiful soul. And she just has a kindness to her and just a lovability. And it's interesting because she shared with us in depth a lot of her story, her emotional eating story of how it started and, you know, what she did about it. And it came from a lot of feelings of, you know, self, lack of self-worth and a hatred of her body. And it just is kind of mind blowing to me seeing her and sitting across from her to know that she had those feelings back in the day at one point. And, um, so this day, sometimes when I hear women's stories and how they are feeling inside and it just doesn't match who they really are as a person. Um, it is why I do what I do and why we do this work. And, um, Kana Asa, she's from Japan. So she grew up there and got just, so she shared her cultural background and some of her social norms and expectations as a woman growing up in Japan. And then how she was able to uh, move into, you know, a different perspective of self and now helps others do that as well. We also kind of touched in the beginning about what body positivity is and how she feels about it. And um, she's actually not accepting any um, clients at this time. She is booked through 2024 for a while. So, um, and she does have a book, however, it is in Japan. <laughs> so if I have any listeners that speak Japan, I want to know who you are, because that's pretty cool. And um, I mean, that, you know, that is available to you. And then if it is um, translated into English, I'll have to put it in the show notes in the future. But um, yeah, listen to this in interview and just, it kind of opens up your eyes that you're just not the only one feeling this way. And a lot of women, um, go through these, this process of figuring out how to be okay with self and how to navigate the relationship with food, with our bodies and essentially with life. So super cool. Let me get you over to the episode. Hey, lovely ladies, it's Jen. I'm a mental wellness weight loss coach, and I help women who are struggling with emotional eating. It can be a roller coaster ride of cravings and comfort and just drive you absolutely bonkers. So I break down how you break free from emotional eating, binge eating, chronic dieting, and kind of take a new approach, an untraditional approach to the way we look at eating, the way we look at weight loss, and the way that we look at living. So enjoy. And as my seven-year-old would like to say, sharing is caring. So send to a friend you think would benefit. And of course, on your socials, I'll love you forever. And don't forget to subscribe to Freedom Within to not miss any other future interviews or episodes to the show. Enjoy. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be used as medical treatment or medical diagnosis. So I have Kana here with me and we were just actually going through reminiscing because we've met a few years ago back on Facebook and connected and we interviewed on, on Facebook that and I got to know you a little bit there. And now a few years later, here we are and you're in a different state, a different location, getting to have the heat where I'm here in 
cold Pennsylvania. It's 22 degrees this morning. So I'm kind of jealous, but I'm so excited that I'm getting to talk to you again, Kenna, because you just bring so much like authenticity and very sweetness and just like you got a gentle soul. And um, I love that people get to hear you today. So um, why don't you share a little bit about you and then how you on a personal level, maybe fought with emotional eating and eating disorders, what that was like. Yeah, thank you so much, Jen. It was that was a nice, sweet introduction. Um, <laughs> hello, everyone. I'm Kana from Japan. I'm mother of two and a certified holistic nutritionist and health coach. And I help people with disordered eating, low body images, and self esteem through the tools I learned from emotional eating psychology, my own healing from twenty plus years of eating disorders, and the tools that I have worked with my um, clients and also being a mom. Mom being a mom <laughs> requires patient, compassion, and unexpected human acts, right? So that, that plays really well. Um, and do I go into my history, Jen, or should we should I stop here? Um, well, I can actually I I feel like becoming a mother is like you're literally thrown in the deep end and you're like, here you go, with no <laughs> like I mean everyone, I guess it's different for everyone. So people probably don't want to scare you. But I, and we're all different, like personality, but I definitely feel that I was very unprepared to be a mother, like didn't know what was coming, even though, you know, we're kind of as women, I think taught, I will, we're, what we're going to get in today though, I think is going to be really cool is the cultural backgrounds, you coming from Japan, and then I'm here in America, of how we grew up differently and how that impact us. Although interestingly, we both had eating issues, eating disorders, emotional eating issues, but I just feel like becoming a mother, it's so true. It's like a whole new ball game. And if you didn't, it makes you scrappy. It makes you kind of figure things out. And I think you, some things just roll off you a little bit easier after a while. You realize what's important. And every time you figure it out, it just changes. So it's like a new, it resets. <laughs> it's a continuum. Yeah, but always discovering something. That's for sure. How are your kids doing? Are they doing well? They're good. They are now. So my son is four in high school now, 14, turning 15 next year. And then my daughter, she's she's almost 11. So uh, little creatures turn big creatures now. You know, they want responsibilities. They are loving. They are. They always surprise me. And then, you know, when as a mom, we we when we're present with them, you learn so much. Right. And then we could also, you know, because let's say, let's say, quote unquote, things become easier when they grow up because they can do things. They can go to washroom by themselves. Mm -hmm. Things get easier per se. But because, say, we have freedom from, say, time's sake from them, but we could miss a lot. You know, so we, I really want to be present with them and we can go deeper and deeper on this conversation too, but I know we were on a different topic today, but learn to be present uh, with someone or with myself. It's been a, a gift for me too. Mm -hmm. I think overall learning to figure out, I think it's a underlying thread that emotional eaters have. There is a disconnect with self and learning and going back and being present. And like, it's, that's the learning is like figuring out who you are, what your needs are, how do you meet your needs? And it, it's like a self-discovery program, basically. Um, how do you like, let's, let's go into something different, a little like body positivity. Like, how do you feel about that right now going on? Like bo body positivity, what it means, how it regards to someone that, you know, maybe wants to lose weight or doesn't how they eat and all all the idiosyncrasies that goes along with that 
Yeah, absolutely. Stop me when you need to. But uh, I think the intention of the, you know, the body positivity, positivity movement is beautiful. But what I found for myself and then for my clients is that loving as it is, unconditional love is just too much for them or for me if I was suffering still, because that body itself is the roadblock of your happiness. It's just a gigantic mountain sitting in front of the road. And that's that's something you loathe, maybe you hate so much. And one day, here comes the, the body image coach or health coach saying, you're going to love everything. That's too much. But they, they believe so much of the coach saying something about body positivity. I gotta believe it. I could believe it. I could believe I love my body, but I just cannot. And that takes you to the negative cycle of, I can't even do this. I am incapable of doing this. I feel bad. And then that the loop of, you know, not, I'm not good enough, not being able to believe in this. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not, I'm not worthy. It just goes back into the, you know, the loop that we want them to be out of, you know? So with that, I like a body neutral or body neutrally, meaning that accept what it is, or maybe meaning that appreciate what it is. So for me is that coming from appreciate what it is. Example, my legs, I hated my legs growing up. My calves are very muscular. My legs are very strong. I didn't I just hated them because but we'll probably talk about this culture part but I thought I had to be skinny I had to have skinny chopstick legs to be able to exist in Japan <laughs> uh, to be not in, an, in a way discriminated or to be able to have a normal life but so for that person, if I say, you got to love your legs, that's just too much. It's just impossible. So with that, I start, I recommend people to say, hey, what if you don't have your legs? Or what can your legs do? They can take you to Trader Joe's. They can take you to Whole Foods. They can take you to your kids' school so that you can see your kids performing this art or so that you can buy this beautiful food or you can buy this fun food. What if you didn't have that tomorrow? You lose so much. So can you come from the place of appreciation that, oh, thank goodness I have this. Or maybe, well, thing that's hanging out out of me is great. It's better that I have it, you know? So that's a, for me is a body neutrality and I support that. And once then you start feeling a bit of appreciation toward the part you hate, you start feeling this warmth inside of your body that, oh, this may be not too bad. I thought I hated entire legs, but look at my toenails. They're kind of cute. You know, I can paint or look at my kneecaps. They're still there hanging. I know my one of my friends just had a surgery for a kneecap, but it's still there. And I kind of like how that moves. You know, you might start seeing more of positive side or more of appreciation in there and that small steps for me is something that's important and counts you know it takes for a long time to recover from eating disorders or emotional eating even because how long have you been doing that to redo that you got to relearn and learn 
and get rid of old habits that wasn't serving you. You need to have the new habits and that's got to stick with you. And <laughs> that's going to take a while. So small steps matter and then small grat gratitude matter. So that's how I look at body positivity or body movement, body neutrality. Did that answer your question? Jen? Yeah, no, it does. So it helps someone to like kind of put their toe in the water a little bit and finding a way to love and appreciate themselves when they feel that it would be like almost lying because sometimes you say like the affirmations that you know they say say that I know I, I it can feel like you're lying and yeah. if it feels like you're lying we've been taught don't lie that's a bad thing it, then you're stacking these negative feelings on top of each other and then kind of moving away to the where you want to go so I think finding um yeah a place to land that kind of opens the door and allows you to just kind of Put, put your foot in the water and start to appreciate what you can or find the thing that, you know, highlight what it is about yourself that you love. I always try to encourage clients to um look at, to like, I say, put on rose glasses or put on glasses that so like look at them through what your kid would look through, would see how your child would see you or how your best friend would see you or how God would see you. If you're religious, you could use God, but you put God's glasses on or you put your child's glasses on and what do they see? Because right now you don't, you're not a good judge of that right now. Like even, you know what I mean? Like till that, until you get a little stronger, you get a little more confident and you can start to, and I think it's okay. Actually, do you find, do you think it's okay not to love every single thing about yourself? Like, I think oh, that's okay too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think it changes every second, you know, whatever the, the thing you hear, you see, you experience, I think that changes and that's okay as well. I think we want to be flexible and being allow it to happen you know you are of the owner of or authority of how you feel so you choose to feel that way and you're okay so that's okay you don't have negative feeling toward oh I didn't do it the way I should do you allowed yourself to feel whatever that is the way it is and that's okay done you know and then that changes and then I think the beauty of being a human being we're all imperfect right and that's yeah. just we're here to experience that so I think I, I totally agree with that Jen as of you getting older, is that changing how you feel about your body? Is that starting to come into play? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. So I'm turned, I just turned 46 and my hair to start with top to <laughs> I'm not going to go everywhere, but you know, gray hair. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I used to have beautiful hair. I thought, or I at least I had a good hair so I could share my face or head without thinking anything. But now I'm like, should I hide it? Is it? does it look okay or just skin looking loose you know uh or birthmarks or just you know just soggy <laughs> feeling and you know what that shares each history you know I went through two births with this tummy I went through this <laughs> uh shoulder injury with shoulder so it's doing its best and that's okay you know I appreciate that I have it still you know so, and from my perspective you look really good <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> you look stunning. I think you're eating beautifully. And I I want like I want to encourage women, I guess it could be kind of like the body positivity. Like I want to encourage women to feel like they have the ability to want to look good and feel good. Like I I prioritize feeling good, but still not to shun the aesthetic part. Like I feel like women do value beauty, but not at a yeah. detriment. So it's like finding that balance of like, 
I'm not going to sacrifice my health or my, you know, hormones or sacrifice my social life because I have to look a certain way. But at the same time, value the way that you look because it's important too. You're allowed to, do you agree with that or no? Do you feel like we should focus less on looks or is that as a woman, should we be allowed to look at how we, or how we look? Are we supposed to like, let that be celebrated too? agree with you you know I think we can celebrate however the way we want to look and if that involves a little bit of effort in whatever the the tools or ways they choose to do as long as their souls are content and as long as at least my in my opinion as long as they're doing it for themselves not to impress someone not to, to kind of devalue someone it's really focused on you and you're grounded and then maybe you have a conversation if you're religious like you said talk to god is this what i feel that i want to do or am i doing it to impress uh, this person you know or disrespect this person and i think that's not healthy to nurture your soul but if you feel like I really want to look like this and then I feel really good about this and you know I think that's really healthy and then I think women I should enjoy it not there's there's no I I don't like to use should but they should enjoy that you know yeah they should enjoy it yeah I've had conversations with my sisters too because we're all getting up there in age we're all you know in our 40s and it's it's like my one sister's like should I jump on the Botox. She's like, I don't want it. She's like, I really don't want to perpetuate the need to look a certain way as we age. But yet she's like, I feel that it would, I feel better when I get it. And I'm like, go get it. It's not like a big deal. But if you're looking for the validation, I agree with you. If it's because you need to be validated because of the way that you look, or you feel like if you don't have it, you're not lovable. Yeah, That's yeah. like the bigger issue. So it's kind of making peace and, but also allowing yourself to you know, do, cause beauty is different, especially in different cultures. So growing up and you were in Japan, tell um, everyone listening, what's that? What was that like for you? What is that? Yeah. yeah. And, and I noticed that this probably goes to Asian countries, some countries as well. And then I noticed that here in the States, North America as well. But what I really felt go, uh, growing up in Japan um, was that skinny stick figure means happiness deserves happiness period so rest of them well i don't luck yeah exactly (laughs) you know looking pretty quote unquote perfect looking a perfect beauty means happiness meanings you are able to find a husband and you gotta be tall but not too tall because you don't want to be taller than men you know you gotta have long smooth hair you got to have like a white, like a pale, beautiful, quote unquote, beautiful skin and be quiet, but just not, but just smiling, you know, you nod and be quiet, smiling. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I thought this is Japanese culture only, but as we, as I explore things with clients, they're like, it's kind of similar everywhere Mm -hmm. I hear stories, but that felt very extreme, maybe because it was only one culture one language, one source of everything. Everything was in Japan, in Japanese. And back then when I was growing up, there's no internet. There's no access to other things. And I didn't grow up speaking English. So everything I read, heard, every information was Japanese. And 
you know how the the publishing goes and, and how that cultural trend goes. Everything was set in that tiny island. So I really believed in it and I everyone believed it. I don't know if it's everyone, but most of the people believed it. So I felt very, very, very um, um, suffocating to live there. Um, yeah, so very much appearance sake, you know, if when it comes to job searching, you know, you write a resume and then you needed to put the like a mugshot type of face photo everywhere you go to for the resume. So if you're not pretty enough, good luck, you can find a job. And then I, I hope and then I think things have changed. You probably don't need to put the face pictures or anything like that. But back then when I wanted to get some jobs, I needed to put my height, weight, everything uh, on top of my face and the standard of getting a job back back when I was growing up was get a job and it's called a OL so office lady just get a job as OL meaning and then you get into a say big company and then find a husband a future husband there and your purpose for OL the office lady was pouring coffee for a man getting the cigarette buzz, just switching the cigarettes, serving and lighting and all those things for men. And find someone in there, marry and retire your job, get rid of your job and then devote yourself for him, the husband or kids at home. That was a cultural norm. But to be able to do that, I needed to be skinny. <laughs> I needed to be tall, I'm short. So I'm like, good luck to me. And then I'm muscular. So everyone, not a, a lot of people are saying like, good luck, you, um, good luck. You know, you, you gotta be taller. You gotta skinnier. You gotta get rid of your muscle. You gotta get rid of this. You gotta be that. You gotta be that. And then in your face, they are not afraid to say, Hey, you got fat. You got fat after let's say Thanksgiving. Hey, you got a fat after Christmas. And that's okay for people to say. And to this day, it's still okay for many occasions i just visited japan a few months ago and, and i saw that everywhere and it's gotten better but still oh hey you're back you gain weight it's part of the normal conversation so the weight and i'm i'm sure so i'm i'm assuming but for the man getting a job he's not writing down his weight and his height i would think no right yeah so it is like a it is a search it's like it's 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 insulting a little bit of it having is, to go through that. Know. Yeah. And then I think back then there were a lot of people who were asked to wear uniform at uh, the at office because office lady is really there to serve things, look cute so that maybe men are encouraged <laughs> or inspired because they're surrounded with cute girls. Mm -hmm. um, and then you need to be able to fit in the uniform in a way that looks better. And then I think, and then I hope things have changed so much, but I still hear from my clients, they are, they're now 20s, 30s, having eating disorders, emotional eating issues, that they still feel that they don't have to wear uniform, they can wear everything, and they are very skilled, smart girls, but they feel some sort of pressure, harassment per se, when it comes to verbal, um, like comments on how they look. You know, mm -hmm. if you're skinnier, you I can give you this presentation opportunity, but it's not going to look good on this company or company or department. So he's going to do it, you know, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if he, well, I don't know if it doesn't matter, but 
according to my clients, doesn't matter if he is, you know, um, obese or looking heavier than this is something that if you were women, you would get some nasty comments on. So as Back, in some backlash. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's still there. It's it's gotten so much better, but still there. So it's I think it's just suffocating. And then and I don't think these days it's only in Japan that it's kind of very uneasy feeling that you receive you know in a certain situation but um yeah so that was me growing up in Japan and that wasn't too fun and, and I think that's why I had a lot of issues with body food you know food was a cause of gaining weight but food was a cause that wasn't feeling good so I'm turning to food to feel better for three seconds and I feel <laughs> disgusted by my act so I go eat, you know, it's just a vicious cycle that I created uh, growing up. Yeah, you're not the only one. I always look at Japan or even maybe Asian cultures or as very disciplined. Like I think of them as very slim and naturally thin people. So you're saying that that's not maybe always the case that they're all naturally thin. It's more a culturally learned, accepted frame like there is most you feel like that could is that true or is yeah i'm interrupting myself because i just want to say thank you for being here i appreciate that you're here and if you're enjoying and appreciating these episodes please leave a five-star review and a comment it helps this podcast get out to more women to hear about how they can overcome emotional eating binge eating secret eating and have more enjoyable pleasurable weight loss. I want that for you. It is possible. Do not forget to go to the show notes and look at all the resources that are available to you um, as you go on your journey. And with that, back to the show. Uh, that's interesting. I think they are naturally, let's see, um, slimmer side, just mm -hmm. because the portion size is everything is smaller and then disciplined. Yes. You know, we used to eat rice miso soup and a fish and uh, some pickles and probiotics all those like if you think of a tray there's like five dishes that's quite healthy very well balanced for meals and meals and meals so and then portion size it's smaller and discipline as in we have the harahachibu you know this 80 percent full uh kind of culture growing up as well so you don't really stuff yourself just eat 80 percent full when you feel like oh i think i'm good i could eat one more survey mm -hmm. <laughs> one more certain thing but i'm like i'm gonna stop here because another meal is coming in abundance uh so we have that culture too so that used to be a big part of japanese culture the beauty beautiful culture but i don't know if that still exists in in the way that a lot of people are following it's so many things are available in japan and, and portion size has gotten bigger and, and a lot of um, people from different countries are coming in, which I love and which is great, but that introduces different culture, different idea of say portion serving, say eat until you are just exploded and let's go eat um, dessert <laughs> in a different cafe type of thing. So things have changed, but uh, discipline used to be very disciplined for the way they serve food, they eat 80% had a hachibu way, but these days, not so much. So that's why I think they're not in blue zone anymore, as far as I, I know. 
the use. I think like the further south, there's a still oh, that's Okinawan. not as heavily right. yet Okinawan. So like yeah. ones that are not heavily influenced by outside cultures that have kind of migrated in, right. and they probably are still doing more of like the gardening and like more labor intensive lifestyle right. versus yeah. like the modernized yeah. space. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, I, I I guess it's true for a lot of different countries. Is um. How did you get into the emotional eating, helping other women then? Did you start in Japan or did you, when did you leave? Yeah. How did that happen? Interesting thing. So when I left Japan to go to Canada, I was in the middle of maybe overeating side, overeating side. And then I arrived in Canada looking at people who are uh, way, um, bigger portion sized curvy ladies which i thought they're beautiful um and in japan that's that's like oh good luck to your life type of uh group look at my group but they look so happy like they looked happy and then i thought how could they be happy how could they feel happy within because they're seriously happy from within they like to dance they like to sing they like to uh, wear beautiful makeup they like to wear the fashion the, the enjoy fashion and everything that only I thought skinny people can do back in Japan mm-hmm. and that was so shocking Jen I thought what is going on I need to ask them why are they happy and they're like did you ask too well, did you get that's amazing yeah so it's like I open it's like that's how we need diversity like (laughs) introduced to different cultures for the benefit of seeing that yeah Yeah. exactly so I my English probably wasn't that great back then but they were very kind and say so I don't want to be rude but why are you happy you know and then I explain the difference because I'm still suffering eating disorders and my belief is this so I don't feel happy. I don't like myself, you know, and I don't feel that I can go shopping. I didn't even have a right size in Japan. Um, and I'm size small here. And then they don't have the right size in Japan for the way I should be look. I should look because of the big legs. Anyways, they're like, uh, what do you mean? Like you, you can be you and then it's okay. Y- your life isn't decided by someone else or you know Japanese culture or something like that I'm like oh so I'm kind of free then you know and that's when I started um feeling that there may be options to see the way I look at myself as in skinny is the only way to live happy you know there is maybe more to life you know, because when you're suffering from emotional eating, eating, binge eating, all the things, you're only thinking about food and you're only thinking about how to lose weight, how not to fail diet, how to be more strict about diet, how to, you know, all those things. Whereas, so think about the time, energy, headspace, emotions that quote unquote waste that I, I wasted for those things. If I could use that for positive way, I can change so many things. So I kept talking to them. And then one of the things that they did was personal training. So I went to get a personal trainer because I wanted to be happy and I didn't know how. So I wanted to follow the the blueprint. So I got a a personal trainer and then I loved it. I became one. 
And then they were offering new holistic nutrition because doing only exercise, that's, so my eating disorder became, partially became exercise obsession. So traded one for the other. A lot of women will do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I traded into so many things and things and things. And then that stage when I became personal trainer was exercise obsession. I needed to, you know, break free from that. And then then learning about holistic nutrition at the gym, there was a holistic nutritionist. Um, She taught me about um, just different way of eating and appreciating. I know you had an episode of the intuitive eating, all those things. So intuitive eating, eating whole foods, you know, adding more food and all that. This sounds really good because, you know, when I was training people, they were eating um, really plain, boring breast, the chicken breast and all those things from morning 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., those personal trainers. And I thought, this is not the way I want to live, you know, eat. I want to enjoy food, but I don't know how. So I became also a holistic nutritionist. So that's around the time I started um, attracting people with disordered eating because I kept talking about my journey and they were like, well, I said, I want to lose 50 pounds, but the reason why is I have food issues. Then a deeper side, I have this emotional issues and I need someone to help me with that because working out with you three times a week is not going to cut it because I'm going to go back to burgers, you know, or I'm going to go back to something. And then just a quote unquote, just nutrition is not going to cut it because I'm going to go back to different type of food because my soul is the needs for my soul is not met. You know, so that's uh, how I started people as a personal trainer and then a holistic nutritionist. Um, but I had anorexia, not not anorexia, orthore- orthorexia issue for <laughs> eating disorder still. So can you share what that is? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, of course, it's in the nutshell, you only want to eat clean, as in you have the clean food rule, something like it's got to be organic, it's got to come from the, the source, it's got and then that's beautiful, but it only has to be that that's the only thing I can touch. So let's say if I was eating eggs, and I decided that the eggs I can eat if it's from this pasteurized, this farm, and this is the process it's been taken. So it's like really meticulous about the food. And also, so I can go out because I didn't know where the egg was coming from. You know, if I went to have brunch and then that egg is, uh, let's say the waiter doesn't know where the book, the egg was coming from, I can eat them mm-hmm. because it's, just, it's not okay in my book. I feel and, like you just transfer the extreme to the extreme to the extreme. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you exactly. find a lot of your clients have perfectionist oh, mentality yeah. or qualities. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, all or nothing, right? The mm-hmm. black, right? And then perfectionism. I think everything's kind of tied into, right? You became perfectionist because there's some events that you weren't and then you were told you need to be. And then with being that way, you somehow created current life and then you maybe have validation you have some safe blanket whatnot that you feel quote-unquote comfortable life but you are feeling insecure and you don't want to go back to that so you try to keep be super perfect so that no one can kind of attack you in in a way Um, and that mentality is everywhere 
planet food rule is of course all or nothing 100% or 0%. Um, so yeah, that's another thing that I, I always work with people to release the perfectionism. But yes, hard to pour. <laughs> so it's sure. hard to do. Do you have any suggestions on how to release some of that perfectionism? Like, is there any yeah, tool yeah. you could share? Yeah, one of the, the most successful one is that look at the life and something you do. And then for those people who are extreme, you tend to do extreme shopping, extreme cleaning, extreme something in your life. So look at something that's not really bothering you, but you know that you do kind of, oh, well, if you say so, I think I do extreme shopping because if I go shopping, I cannot come home for with one pair of socks. I need to buy five pairs of shops, uh, five different colors of t-shirts, and then I need to kind of hoarder. <laughs> so with that, and then do you feel bad about it? Or do you just feel like, do you, that's kind of your habit or trait per se. And then if they say, yeah, I, I think I just do it. So let's have this experience purpose, buy one pair of socks, one t-shirt, come back. A week later, go get another pair of socks. Week later, you go get t-shirt and see how you feel. So that's a practice of all not being all or nothing for for my as my tool. Again, the purpose is that you live, you can survive for not doing it all or nothing. So cleaning sake, if people used to clean bathroom the fourth Sunday and then takes forever. But what if you do that every time you have a shower, you have a sponge, you kind of rub it. And that takes one minute and that's it. So it's not all or nothing. It's just like a, you do little by little by little by little bit, you know, and then see how you feel. And then do you feel okay with it? If you feel okay with it, you might feel okay with food not being, you know, following the um, crazy 100% rule. Maybe you'll be okay with falling 90%. You just experience that from different area of life and see that applies to your eating and yes it's hard but it's possible you know it's possible because you've done it in different area yeah so it's almost like same the same concept same concept of the body positively like dipping your toe finding it from a different angle that feels more like not so scary to give up and then being able to see that you can do it I like that yeah Yeah. really cool gentle gentle approach Gentle. I, I find, I don't know if it's a different, if it's a particular personality that needs a gentle approach versus, um, that like boot camp approach. Do you think that that is, it's just a personality difference that what, what type of help to get, what type of mentoring to get, like knowing that some people do better when they're like, they give a lot of grace and it just gives them a little bit more confidence yeah. to move forward versus someone that needs a kick in the pants and needs like, get it done and get it done tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah. do you feel yeah. like they're both good avenues? It just depends on the person. Yeah, I, I think it's a good uh, avenue. And then I also think that we both appreciate the both sides, but mm-hmm. the knocking on the door, getting into that, the place, you know, dipping in a toe in the water, I recommend going into that fits in your personality. So if you like to be, you know, kicked in the butt and it just really go, 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 go hardcore, almost like encouraging the perfectionism. So mm-hmm. you gotta do it, gotta do it, gotta do it, do, 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 and get the results. But can you keep going with that kind of adrenal high energy all the time? In yen, or is it balanced? Maybe at some point 
you might need to uh, learn to ground yourself or be gracious about your decisions. Mm -hmm. So maybe once you go through a certain stage, your next stage might be being slow, you know, just doing something that's beneficial, but that's not your in your in your trade or character, but you know that it's beneficial and then start doing that. So something like, you know, hardcore sports versus yoga, both are, I think, beneficial, but um, there is an order for each person to go and then be quote unquote successful so that they can move on to the next stage. So that ideally things are balanced, mm-hmm. but where you start probably is different from people because I used to be different. And then if I was told to go gentle and, you know, find the middle ground and all this and then that for healing from eating disorder, emotional eating, I'm like, no, I just want to do it hardcore. And then if you're not going to let me do that, I'm not going to work with you. Mm-hmm. That's that, you know, but then you learn at some point, okay, okay, I tried. It worked until a certain point, but I think I'm missing something. You know, mm-hmm. what can I add? And what is that? Something I need to add is something I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> yeah, so. I think it's the avoidance of like self almost. Because when you slow down and get still, you really start to hear a lot mm-hmm. of things that you might not want to hear or, don't, mm-hmm. or, you know, that thing that you're running from. And when you have somebody telling you what to do and motivating you, it's yeah. easier because it's the external push. But then mm-hmm. once they're gone, will you continue to do it on your own? And I think that's where like the, like, I don't want to say like true healing, but when you're able to sit with self and like be able to motivate yourself to your best good, whatever that is, I think that changes day to day sometimes. But um, yeah, it's, it's a process. But I was curious what your thoughts were. Sometimes I think I'm too, I'll be like, I'm being too gentle, but really I think it needs to be, everyone's pace is a little bit different, but I think yeah. that women, um, I don't know, we have so much going on. We need some support that's just gentle. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, you know, moms and, and I don't want to, of course, categorize things, but moms are just, they're doing so many for different lives. You know, you have three little ones relying on you, you know, to survive. And then we have a lot to do. So I think being gentle, have a community is really important. And then once we get to know clients, you know, we know the 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 boundaries, where to push, you know, what to add, right? Like if we were being so gentle and then nothing is happening or just she's too comfortable. And then we got to kind of nudge in and, hey, what do you think of uh, adding this one or uh, adding this or doing this? And it's it's not the gentlest way <laughs> that we used to well, do. Love shove. <laughs> Love, love, love chef. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And she probably, or he, she will probably say, "Yeah, let's try it." But I need you to hold me accountable. <laughs> let's do it, type of thing. In Japan, culturally wise, is it more just is it more like gentle, like learning and stuff, or is it more like boot campy push? I feel like it's boot campy push. Um, again, dependent. There are so many different things available right now in Japan. And moving forward, I'm sure. But back then, it's just everything is about discipline, push. You got to do this. You know, you got to figure out the, to to do it by yourself to begin with. We're not allowed to ask questions during the class. So no hands up unless you were told to raise your hand or something like that. So if you have a problem, if you don't know the answer, you got to go find it by yourself. 
Um, and with that, you got to push yourself to the the level that you're expected. And if if not, you're a failure. You're not worthy. <laughs> Good luck to your life. Type of extreme, um, I guess, separation there. At least where I grew up, how I grew up was um, that way. Well, thank you for sharing your story and like a little bit about your culture and where you came from. I find it interesting too, because it's just, you know, you th- sometimes you can feel very secluded and isolated with yeah. your thoughts and how you feel. And you think you're the only one going through it. In reality, like it's not true. You know, we're very much all connected and a lot of people have these same stories. So being able to share them, I think is beneficial for everybody. And yeah, I'm appreciative that you came and took the time and love that you're here. And now we got to reconnect a little bit. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. You're welcome. Is there anything, any last words that you want to share or definitely to where can people find you just to connect up with you somewhere else? I know you too, talk about your book. Yeah, Yeah, so the book is coming out. Well, that's in Japanese though. If anyone speaks Japanese, actually, that would be surprised, but it would be kind of cool. Yeah, you never know. You never know, though. Um, Yeah, so this really helping. um, I'm talking to one person in the book to help him her feel that they she he is heard because a lot of people like you said when you're in the midst of it you think you're the only one who can figure it out it's so lonely so I am talking to that person and then sharing the tools but also sharing my stories and how I overcame that problem challenge type of thing um so that'd be um kind of fun heartwarming read and uh, one message I wanted to um share if anything to be taken away from this beautiful conversation with you Jen is that I always always tell my clients like how you eat doesn't define your worth you know you probably say that to your clients too like no matter how you eat no matter how you look the human level of equalness is absolute the same you know you're not less of you're not worthy because of the way you eat because of the way you look everyone's got a problem and then it happens to be the food part of you you have different part of you that's fantastic you know so how you eat how you look doesn't define your worth I really want you to remember that thank you I think that's a perfect way to leave and yeah again thank you and we'll talk to you later guys thanks for being here love you